We're back! We're back! It's distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. Hi, Roth. Hey, man. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? You feeling good? Yeah, man. I'm feeling uh, feeling pretty solid, all told. I was in Pittsburgh last weekend, and it restored me. Get the fuck. Wait. I. This sounds. I. This sounds like pandering, but it's true because I live within driving distance of Pittsburgh, and I've never been. And I'd like to go. It seems like it seems nice. Yeah, it's Is pretty it nice. I was there for uh, my cousin's bat mitzvah. Shout out to Maya. You you crushed yeah. it. Um, it was. It, I don't. It's a strange city. I didn't really get that much of a sense of it. I was hoping to um, get up with uh, Casey Taylor, our buddy, who's written for the site a bunch of times. Wasn't able to do that. Mostly uh, was in cousin mode. But it was solid. Uh, it's a strange city in the sense that a lot of it is built on hillsides, and you have to drive through mountains to get places a lot. Like, it seems like they really wanted to have a city there. And uh, you know what? you got to give them credit. They pulled it off. It's absolutely yeah, uh, where it is. Hey, uh, speaking of 13-year-olds, let's get to this week's guest. It's, uh, it's Sports Illustrated's own Rohan Nadkarni, our great good old friend. How you doing, Rohan? So a couple things. First of all, very excited to be back on the podcast. I was I was been waiting for my invite to come back on the show, but I didn't want to be that guy that's like, hey, like when are you having me back on the pod? Last time I did this, no joke, multiple people hit me up and they were like, you got to do David Roth's podcast? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I would like to say I had one of the worst nights of my life in Pittsburgh. What happened? And I, I can't go back. Okay. Tell it. So it's 2015, okay, and I'm I just graduated college and I'm moving from uh, Evanston, Illinois, to Brooklyn, New York, and I'm driving out with a friend of mine from Evanston. We're driving to New York with all our stuff is packed in the back of this like rental car that they stiffed us on. They were supposed to give us a bigger one, they didn't. Like, there's only room for two humans and all of our stuff in this car. There's no other space. Okay. Um, and we need to stop overnight. So my friend is like, oh, like you can stay with my buddy, Ragu, in Pittsburgh. Now, <laughs> His name is Ragu? Is, like the no, sauce? it's not. This is already a red flag because there are some <laughs> Indian people who anglicize their names in such a way that, oh. I'm, that, I'm like, that I'm like, I'm not cool with this. So, like, we have a family friend named Patrick Patel. And I'm like, I know your name's not fucking Patrick, dude. Like, <laughs> who, do you, who do you... You're not getting away with Patrick Patel on me. So... Was a, did you like, ever... Did you, we moved to call yourself Tyler for, like, one year and then be like, this yeah, doesn't exactly. feel right at all. Bob. Just Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Bob, not Carney. Yeah. No, I had, I had all wrong. I thought Ragu was, like... Like an aspiring Jersey Goomba. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, go away. What the fuck? Right, I did. He probably was, to be honest. And I hope he's since unpacked that in therapy. So <laughs> my friend's like, oh, my buddy will let you crash at his place. So we've been driving, you know, 14 hours. It's obviously been an emotional day. You know, we said our goodbyes to our good friends that morning. We get to this guy's place around like 11 p.m. And we're like, hey, man, like, we just need to, you know, he knows what we're there for. We just need a place to crash at the night. It's like 11 p.m. This guy's having, like, a full-on party. Like, we are just literally, we're trying to sleep in his living room while there's, like. Classic ragu. Yeah, like, a vintage ragu, man. (laughs) Like, it's just a straight-up party going on. So, finally, leave in, like, an hour. And granted, it was, like, a Friday night. So, it's like, okay, not a big deal. You know, it's a Friday night. He wanted to have a little pregame at his place. Yeah, sure. We're passed out on his uncomfortable ass couch, which granted he was doing us a favor. They come back like two hours later. It's one a.m. It's more people. He turns on all the music, like they're oh. just, just going. And I'm like, 
like what the fuck like we can't stay here i think we literally ended up sleeping in the car for like three hours and just oh, leaving man. pittsburgh at oh, just oh that's so returning to that scene. hey can i ask you you said you guys were sleeping on the couch was it like a single couch or was it like an it l was couch an, it was an l couch that my friend and i had taken one leg of each so each got real estate at the very least but yes, then, like, if they come yes. barging in playing, like, fucking Crazy Town at 3 a.m. Dude, people are, like, going through my wallet. They're like, who are these guys? Like, it was, what? <laughs> it was nuts. It was nuts. Oh, my God. I'd I be fucking... So that's I'd both, like, so... super Baroque and bad and yet identifiable as, like, a thing that happens to you when you're 23. Like, exactly. They, you, like, maybe don't even know that it's bad at the time. You're kind of like, this sucks. But, like, what's he going to do? Not bring 15 people back to his house to <laughs> fucking do coke and scream? <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, dude. I was like, yeah, I, that's I couldn't right. believe it. Yeah. I, I honestly was like looking at my friend and I was like, we have to leave, right? Like, we can't stay here. Yeah. Yeah. You hit your 30s and you're like, and you're like, I'll actually, I don't like that sort of living at all. And yeah. like, I won't tolerate other and people. And you start doing to notice it that it. it's not like right. Like, you, I remember, I, I think I've talked about this on here before. This is the, I think, the grossest night that I've spent. It was at a dear friend's place. And he had, he was like, yeah, you can sleep on my futon. It's fine. Um, he had no bedding for the futon. He had no pillows <laughs> for the futon. And so I just slept on it like I had been murdered on it, like, for a little yeah. bit. And at some point during the night, I got cold and unzipped the futon lining and oh, climbed oh inside God. of it. Oh my God. <laughs> so I woke like, up at, like, first light with sunlight coming <laughs> through the green futon cover into which I had packed myself like fucking Luke in the Tauntaun. Yeah, and, like a fucking, and I was going to say. And it oh, was, it's so brutal. And I just sort of like emerged from it and was like, this is bad. Like it's 5.58 a.m. Like why am I? And, but like at the time I was kind of like, well, you know, this is what happens. Like if you yeah. want to sleep in you a know, bed that has a pillow, you got to go to your own house. Otherwise, anything could happen to you. <laughs> yeah. You know what are actually fantastic places on earth? Hotels. Just yep. shout out to hotels. Yeah, straight up hotels, clean beds. We love you. A toilet Bro, that's all yours. I also I turn into like a robber baron when I get to a hotel, and I'm like, yes, AC, sixty-two degrees, yep. four yep. glass, <laughs> six towels. Like, yeah, I leave yeah. my shit everywhere. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. like I'm like I'm pissing on it to mark my territory. <laughs> like just like okay, well, this sock goes in this corner. This sock yeah. goes in the other corner. My nut rag that goes in the other corner. That's not a way that you would want. I guess it is kind of telling that you know three decently responsible individuals. As soon as we're in a position where someone else is doing our laundry, we're kind of (laughs) like, "I'm done with this towel. I'm going to flush it down the toilet." (laughs) Which completely. Well, also, it's also because like I, you know, I'm at home. Like I have to be neat at home, right? Like just for my own sake, but also like because I have to set an example for my kids. My wife doesn't want a mess around or that. I need a hotel. I'm by myself. Doesn't fucking matter. I can, I can, like, I can put a bag of fucking peanuts on top of my like I, sheets. I wish I could really cite the person who sent this tweet, but it's like, they're they it, essentially it was like every time you drive a car, you're pointing a gun at the earth, um, <laughs> and that's me in a hotel room, just, yep. just yeah, yeah, with, with a gun to the earth's head. You enter a zone of exception for like whatever <laughs> carbon consumption you might otherwise have. That there oh. also reminds me of another uncredited tweet where there was a, a woman who said, like, like every day of, of my life, I, I wear one pair of underwear a day, but then I, I pack for a two-day vacation, <laughs> yeah. and I, I pack enough underwear as if I'm going to shit my pants every yes. single day. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. And I totally also do that. I'm always like, yeah. I was like, that, is that enough boxers? Because I'm going on vacation next week. I'm like, no, nah, it's what? not enough boxers. Just bring them all. <laughs> Fuck I it. We'll do say, it live. I went to Phoenix last year, and the combination of I'm sorry. heat... 
versus this incredibly spicy ramen I ate one night. Ooh. Like, I was so sweaty that I needed all that extra underwear. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a da- – like, I mean – the swamp ass is just going to be like compounded. <laughs> was this, can I ask, was this for work? Were you like covering the finals? Yes, I was. Oh, yes, that's right. Being it was, sweaty it was, at work is a really, that's a tough road to hoe right there. Yeah. It was June in Phoenix. And I was like, oh, I'll get a hotel that's walking distance from the arena. Uh, so we can just walk to the arena every day. It's like an eight minute walk. Huge mistake. Yeah, it, no one does that up, there. Yeah. And it was like, and then I was like, do I get like a $3 Uber? Like the Uber driver's going to hate me when they're like, you're going four blocks, sir. But is it, uh, is it in Glendale, the arena? No, 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 no. It's, it's in, not uh, in the state. It's in downtown Phoenix. It's in downtown Okay. Cause Phoenix, I, yeah. I stayed in Glendale next to the, the, oh, Cardinal, the Cardinal stadium. That's right. And that was fucking dire. There was like, <laughs> it was like, it was like staying in like an abandoned Disneyland. It was so fucking <laughs> shit. Well, Kate. My wife and I are are enough like city people and specifically like New York people that when we go places we always like insist on walking even yeah. in places where you know like you're not really supposed to walk. Yeah, and oh yeah, I not do exactly. Pittsburgh was tough because it's like it's very hilly and it's not built for walking around and there's not mass transit, so you can go like a short distance. But then at some point you reach just like a truck depot with like a Jimmy John's next to it, and that's like the <laughs> end of. There's nothing after that. Like, it's just, right. like, weird woods and, like, unmined ore. But, like, the idea of going someplace, like, we would have been really proud of ourselves to be, like, yeah, eight-minute walk. Like, we love to do stuff like that. Yeah. Like, we're, and there is really, like, there are places on Earth where an eight-minute walk is incredibly ill-advised. Yes. Yeah. I have I have one last really random thing to bring up before I get extensively to what we were supposed to talk about. This, that's it. what the show the show you, is for, the random shit. Anyway. You, you mentioned Jimmy John's, and this is a conversation I have. Shout out to my friend Brendan, who I brought up last time I was on this podcast because nice. he owned my favorite kind of cup that's I've, that I've since bought. I've since bought those exact Hell same yeah, glasses that's great. Myself. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm, I remember how I much you love it, yes, and I'm really yes. happy that you have one yeah. now. Oh, my God. It's really just changed my water consumption. <laughs> but this is something that him and I genuinely talk about. But was anyone toasting subs before Quiznos? I think that they invented Ooh, it. And then, my God. But then they well, were I the mean, first ones well, out. You yeah, mean like exactly. a chain, right? You mean yeah. like a chain. Like, you mean like I mean, your neighborhood deli. But or even, it just is like Quiznos like, gave us toasted subs technology. And now they're gone. You're right, yeah. Roth. They're gone. They had a lot of stuff that they got. So they, they had the toasted subs which is again a beloved technology that is now uh toasting the technology we love yeah, yeah. that's available yeah. everywhere uh very not into the details of how it works because yeah. i don't want to get it was very disruptive ahead. yeah i would say no, you don't want to get too techy you don't want to get insider baseball they also did the thing that like uh that pot belly which i also like among your sandwich chains which is to me basically just like a hot pepper delivery system like you just have to wrap it in ham and bread and then you mm. get the peppers that are the thing <laughs> yeah. that you actually want yes. Quiznos had that too. They had the little pepper bar with the banana peppers and yes. spicy peppers. Yeah, they were killing it. And then I don't, I don't think you can blame the upsetting, floating, singing guys from the cartoon, the the commercials that they had. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, oh, the, yeah, sponge yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the sponge monkeys, the sponge monkeys, sponge monkeys. I don't think you can say that that was the end for Quiznos. I just think they like their competitors, all of whom were worse. Every single one of them was worse somehow just like outlasted them. And I, I would love to yeah. know more about how that the u- happened. The ubiquity of Subway, it should have been Quiznos. Yeah. It absolutely should have been Quiznos. Because I, uh, I was in Houghton, Michigan once to give speech to college kids at Michigan Tech. And like Houghton, Michigan is on the, on the upper peninsula, on a peninsula on the upper peninsula yeah. that gets 200 inches of snow a year. <laughs> 
And the only place to eat was the Jimmy John's. And I was like, I've never eaten at Jimmy John's. Well, let's see what this is all about. So I go, I'm excited at my Jimmy John's sandwich. And it was a piece of shit. It was, it was, yeah. tastes like fucking garbage. And they wouldn't fucking toast it. I was like, can you, ta- can you toast it? And they're like, no. So quiz and I was like, John doesn't this 20 years ago. Yeah. 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 I was like, you can't afford a goddamn oven. Like, what the, where, 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 have, I, thing, where have I landed? This is, I this guess is I should, bullshit. again, like, not apologize for it, but I want to qualify the use of the word technology. The way that Quiznos <laughs> toasted things was it was like, the thing from the college cafeteria that you put a bagel on and yeah. then it comes out the it was bottom. Like a, it was like a Domino's pizza. Yeah, it was <laughs> it's a conveyor yeah. belt. Conveyor belt, yeah. That went through it a was, heat source. Yeah, it was the same the same oven. I worked at Little Caesars in my first job, and it was a conveyor belt oven. And we would just put the pizzas in there, and they would come out two minutes later, caked in grease, and you would... <laughs> what <laughs> happened in there? God. Yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> we should actually talk about what we brought Rohan on for, which is the NBA playoffs, which begin a week from Saturday... And that's when the playoffs begin. The play-in tournament begins a little bit early in the week. So before we get to the teams themselves, Rohan, I need to know, as someone who covers the NBA extensively for Sports Illustrated, are you in favor of the play-in tourney or are you against it? I'm big time in favor of the play-in tournament. I, I think it adds like a healthy dose of chicanery down the stretch that yeah. the sport would lack otherwise. I, I don't think that we should go full like this is a clown show, but at the end of the day, like sports are entertainment, like make it more like a game show. It's a game. It's literally a game. It's it's like when sometimes like people go on Top Chef and they're like, what's motivating you to be here? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm just waiting for somebody to be like, this seems like a fun game. Yeah. And, I, and that's kind of what I want for the NBA. Like, just make it a fun game. The battle for like seeding down the stretch, the teams trying to avoid the nets at the top of the East. Uh, the fact that Kevin Durant might have to be in like a winner-take-all game, I-, I think these are all good things. And at the end of the day, it forces teams like the Nuggets to try harder down the stretch of the season than they normally would have because they're trying to avoid the plan. So yeah. I think only good things come from it. I think that's the best argument for it, beyond because it's like the teams that are making it, for the most part, are not going to be the teams that are around in a month. And yet, like, the last couple of weeks, really, I guess the last week of action has been, like, not just good, but it's had stakes in a way that it ordinarily would not. Like, this is, like, deep, like, teams calling up their two-way players and, like, just sort of, like, basically staging G League games in NBA Mm -hmm. stadiums. Like, that's what it's been in the NBA for, you know, 10 years. And at this point, it's like all these teams do kind of have to give a shit. Like, even the teams that are already, like, locked into the proper playoffs do. So that's cool. I, uh, I, I'm going to make the podcast interesting and disagree with both of you and say that the play-in <laughs> eats ass, and I don't. Well, I mean, it's, it's like got, the it's teams got the first, aren't that great. It's got, it, it's got the first four energy to it where it's like it's this appendix to what was already working very well that I really don't need. And if it if it juices up the last couple of weeks of the regular season, frankly, who the fuck's going to remember? Who's going to give a rat's ass? The only, pe- the, only time, the, only reason it's, the only reason it's of import this particular year is because the Lakers last night just fucked up and, and won't make it at all and got eliminated from that. But other than that, I don't I, I don't think it I certainly don't think it uh, discourages teams from tanking or anything like that. I just think it's a needless appendix on when I really want to get to the full series action. And I say that as somebody who likes the the one game uh, one off in, in major league baseball. So I, I just I just don't I don't know. I, it, I, I it doesn't okay. jibe with the rest of the field for me. I, I don't want to derail this podcast any more than I have, but I, I genuinely believe the MLB playoffs should not exist and the National League winner 
the best team in the National League should play the best team in the American League. Second and week hey, in that's a row. Second week in a row. Let, We've heard yeah, just last yeah, that's two it's weeks in a row. Insane that they have a one game playoff. That they like a five game series and seven game series are already comical. Like it should be no interleague. But anyway. I hear you, Drew, but they've also lucked out. Like, two years in a row, last year you had LeBron versus Steph in the plan. Like, this year you're going to get Kevin Durant, like, probably trying to go for 50 one night. I don't think they're going to get that lucky every year. But just add add more obstacles. It's like, you know, it's like adding a cool thing on American Gladiators or whatever those kinds of show. It's like, you yeah. know, oh, you want to make the playoffs? Like, walk across this beam first without getting hit. Uh, by this giant red ball. Like, I'm for you, that. I'm you, for You already got to win four playoff series. How many fucking more obstacles do you need? <laughs> I feel like if a team, like, especially, this has been kind of like a weird development over the last few years, where teams that, like, are legitimate title contenders are coming in low enough in the regular season that they kind of have to be in the, in the play-in mm. games, that, like, the Nets could very easily win the NBA championship this year. But, like, they also... Could they? They fucked up enough during yeah. the regular season. I think so. I mean, yes. I think if it's with full strength, Kyrie and Durant out there all the time, like, yeah, I definitely think so. It's just a well, question of, like, the fact that they have to be in this and that they have to, like, they should have to earn it, in my agreed. opinion, a little bit, because they weren't a very good team during the regular season. Like, you shouldn't be able to, you know, play possum like that and then just roll through the playoffs. Like, well, I, let's, I mean, let's talk might, about the Nets because we want to talk make about it the, annoying for them. Let's talk about the Nets because we should talk, start off talking about the East, and the Nets are the most... Uh, visible and certainly the best team that will be in the play-in. They will not have Ben Simmons for that play-in. And I would say it's likely that they won't have him for the playoffs at all. And I personally think that it's there's a non-zero chance that Ben Simmons never plays professional basketball again. Okay, no. no. Uh, yeah, I want. Yeah, that's what, Rohan, do you agree with that? Or do you think we'll see Ben Simmons at some point in these playoffs or at least next year? I, he's definitely coming back to play. I mean, he's too young. He's got too much money on the table. I think he's been through too much to now all of a sudden just throw his hands up and walk away. I would be, at this point, I would be shocked. I would be completely floored if he comes back for the playoffs because, first of all, they might get the Sixers in the first round. If they get the Sixers in the first round, there's no way his first game back in the NBA is going to be on the road in Philly. Yeah. There's a zero percent chance that happens. That's, <laughs> That's true. Delightful as it is to think about. Yeah. No, yeah. there's like there's there are other considerations. Right. I just think that the idea that you're going to not play for a year and your first game back is going to be the intensity of the NBA playoffs, like when just pe- people are flying around at a completely different level, the energy, the emotion, it- it's all completely different. And that's not a cliche. It's true. Like players are trying way harder than it- they are trying in the regular season, starting with game one of the playoffs. I don't think you can throw him back in that environment. It- it's just not setting him up to succeed. Like you could maybe get away playing him a few minutes a night in the first round, but I, I don't think he comes back this season, but I- I'm, confident very confident he's going to be back uh by game one of next regular season but why why are you confident what about what about his extended absence his total absence from this season gives you faith that he will come back next fall i would just say the hoops that his agency has gone through to get him out of philadelphia uh to recoup his money um you know i he could have walked away at any point, right? There were, there were kind of quote-unquote cleaner ways to do this. Um, and I think the fact that they basically did kind of create this mess, I, I think that he probably feels like he has something to prove also. Uh, you're talking about a guy that 
the last time he played was an all NBA player was a defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, I, I don't think he's walking away from all that. And I think his, his, his team has tried too hard to get him in the right situation. Um, I mean, he's, you know, and again, it's not like he's been away from the nets. He's been traveling with the team, et cetera. Um, to me, the signs of him kind of walking away aren't there. And I don't think that it's understood. I mean, I don't know very much about his injury. I know that back injuries for basketball players are bad. It's not considered a career-threatening thing. It's just basically that, like, you can't ramp back up in whatever time remains and, like, be useful, even in, like, what you were saying, like, sort of sub-Robert Covingtonian minutes in, like, <laughs> right. he's just not, like, ready I mean, yet. Right. I mean, it's different. Like, if you had a broken hand, like, it's still kind of... Not easy, but it's easier to stay in shape than if you have even a sore back, right? Like you're so much more limited in what you can do. So, yeah, I, I'm. I don't. There's no indication that there's any kind of career-threatening thing with the back injury. Frankly, I think to be honest, we all kind of thought maybe there wasn't a back injury. Then you found out he got that epidural or whatever. So, um, I, yeah. Again, there's there's nothing that would indicate that it's going to kind of affect him long term. The one thing I'll say for Drew's point though is that like vibe-wise. Beyond going beyond the rest of it, something's clearly still not cooking right there, and it doesn't like I'll, I'll believe it when he comes back, and I do expect him to come back. It also feels like he's further away than this injury, and this whole mm-hmm. year has just felt like I don't remember a guy sitting out like this. I don't remember it feeling like this. I don't remember a player that had a collapse in the NBA the way that he did in the playoffs last year. Like this, it is different. He's just also still like whatever he is, like 26 or something like that. Like, I don't think his NBA career is over. I just don't know what it'll be like when he comes back. Let me just pick a bone real quick with Rohan saying that he, he's not, he's confident the injury won't hold him back because I am someone who has, has had three back surgeries and has had these exact sort of problems. Mm-hmm. And I'm not 6'10", uh, the way Ben Simmons is. So you compound that with the fact that he has Steve Blast disease and yeah. there's no indication that he still doesn't have that they or they doesn't have it anymore i'm what? still I, i'm i'm with Roth. it's still a believe it when i see it sort of thing just like i need to see tiger take uh, the tea <laughs> yeah. at augusta before i really believe that he is not going to try to try it out there in a fucking wheelchair you know what i mean i i will say that for what it's worth simmons at least has not had surgery uh, at least that we know of um, but maybe he needs it yeah yeah um, is the, the tiger thing is a big deal, but I kind of feel like it needs to be an even bigger deal, by the way. I just want to throw that like out he there. He almost like, died in a car Seriously. I, I thought that guy was never playing golf again. I, when people I, were like, same here. I thought he wasn't playing like, golf again before he almost chopped his own leg off in a car accident. Yeah. Like, I, when people were like, he's trapped. I was like, wait, Tiger Woods? What? Yeah. Oh man. What a- Can I say one thing about Ben Simmons just Please. before we move on from it? I'm very much looking forward to, there's a a genre of video that Ben Simmons has pioneered. It's like, in the same way that, you know, Stanley Kubrick is the master of that shot where a guy's looking up at you through their eyebrows and they seem (laughs) really crazy. I love that shot. The Ben Simmons version of that is a video that comes out during the offseason where he's in (laughs) an LA fitness with his cousins dunking on his cousins. And then it gets like basketball Twittered into like where people are just putting the eyes emoji on it and they're like, check this out. This dude got a layup in a like three on three game against entirely it's just members of his own family. Oh uh, yeah, but analyzing his his form like I it's the, the fucking bring Zapruder on the cousin film. vids. I'm sure the playoffs will be great, but I, that's what I want to see. Let's take a break and come right back with Rohan Nakarni of Sports Illustrated to talk about the NBA playoffs. We'll be right back. We're back with Rohan Nakarni 
of Sports Illustrated. We're talking about the NBA playoffs, which are starting a week from Saturday. The top four teams in the East right now, Rohan, are your Miami Heat. They're the one seed as of right now. The defending champion Bucks, the Boston Celtics, oh, and the Sixers. <laughs> now, do you see any other team in that conference having a chance to reach the finals? I know you just said the Nets were one of them. Any of the others? Uh, no, those are the five. The Bulls, especially with Lonzo out, they're they're toast, and they've really been sliding here the second half of the season. I feel bad for the Bulls. They had like a home heavy start to the season. They were killing it. Demar was getting the MVP buzz, but I think they're kind of done. The Cavs have their own injury problems, and, and they're just too young to make a run. Um, the Hawks, I just don't see it happening. They've been too inconsistent. They can't play defense. Um, there's too many good teams in the East. So yeah, it's it's those five. It's Miami, Milwaukee, Boston. Philly and Brooklyn, uh, in some order. I think we all have our opinions in what order, but but those are the five with the chance. Were um, were last year's Hawks an aberration to you? Do you think they'll they'll ever make? You think they'll ever be worth a shit? I I don't think they were an aberration. I think they they definitely overachieved, is what I would say. I, I think that there's talent on that team to make a conference finals in the future. Like Trey Young is outstanding. He's probably going to make one of the All NBA teams this year. They're really good when all their guys are healthy. Uh, DeAndre Hunter and John Collins. They're all really good players. Um, They also just caught... Sometimes you get the right bracket. Like last year, they got the Knicks, who they were an aberration last year. They were a total fraud. Um, They got the Knicks in the first round. Then they got Philly, and that series still went to seven games, and it was close in the seventh game. And if Philly was playing with five guys on offense in the fourth quarter, they might have actually won that series. So yes. Uh, I, I wouldn't say the Hawks were an aberration, but you know they they overachieved and got a couple good breaks. I kind of appreciate that they didn't blow the team up this year because it's like they really did seem pretty good last year. Their good mm-hmm. players are good. It also feels like uh, something's been fucked there all year long. That like they just don't they're hell to watch. They don't seem like they're playing together very well. There's mm-hmm. a lot of like teams this year that we'll get to the Western Conference in time where there's like super talented, like on their merits, like top half of their conference talent on a roster. Mm -hmm. And yet the team, for whatever reason, like uh, feels like it hates being out there or seems like it hates being out there. The Jazz being the most obvious example of this. And I don't know what you do with a team like that, but I respect that the Hawks like didn't deal John Collins at the deadline and didn't like just blow it up in a fit of peak because I feel like that was the way the organization worked for a long time was to do that. And give them another year and see what happens. And then if you have to blow it up, then blow it up. But Rohan, can you explain the Celtics COVID situation to us? Because they were the hottest team in basketball all spring, like shit hot. But like none of them are vaccinated. What the fuck's going on with that team? Uh, first of all, just just dealing with the amount of Celtics propaganda just coming out of I like to call it the Democratic People's Republic of Boston. Just <laughs> I like it. The state I like media. It. The state media. Oh, good lord. Um, uh, I mean, they gotta hope they avoid Toronto in the first round because it sounds like I, I don't. I think the majority of their roster is vaccinated, but the guys they are missing, which I believe has been reported, and I want to credit. I think it's either Tim McMahon or Tim Bond times at ESPN. Um, I think it's been reported that it's Jalen Brown and Al Horford. Um, are not vaccinated. And I think Jalen Brown, they can't afford to miss him in a playoff yeah. series. I and mean, we saw it last year. Right. Um, and, and Toronto, especially Boston's missing Rob Williams, who's been a, a huge part of how good their defense has been during this stretch where they're just whipping up on people. Now he's obviously already out. Like if they got Toronto in the first round, like the Raptors are a very like 
switchy, quirky, well-coached team that are going to annoy you even if you're at full strength. And would you describe them as would you describe them as fundamentally sound, Rohan? You know, I don't even know that I would describe them as. I would describe mm. them as doing hockey shifts of six eight guys, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is like kind of an annoying, yeah. especially again, yeah, it would be annoying if one of your two best scorers is at home just like looking at Instagram posts and being like, "I'm glad <laughs> right. I didn't get that microchip." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, he's just DMing with John Stockton, like, "Can you believe yep. this shit? Like, <laughs> look at what they did crazy. to me." They don't I talk about be, all the soccer players yeah, exactly. um, bursting into flames because yeah, they got I, the Moderna. I won't be one of the ones that dropped dead. Um, it's also so, like these. I know these guys aren't your friends and whatever. Like it's stupid to put too much on it. Jalen Brown seems like a pretty sharp dude to listen, me. Listen, like, that was I a tough like one. Him. That was a tough one. I like I actually Brown. felt bad about yes, it. Yes, that was a very tough one, and I was shocked honestly to find out that that was remotely a possibility. And I mean, Horford's a little weird too, but I don't know what that his deal is yeah like that's but well he's he's like 85 so he's like of the voting age where you know voters his age he's eligible know, for a second booster and he's still yeah. Not, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. fucked up that he would turn it yeah. down yeah horford's like a blank canvas i was just like that doesn't make sense and i was like wait i actually know nothing about him right Jalen like, brown i was like you're young you're like you seem cultured you're into all these different things like i don't know i don't know where it went wrong for him yeah Whereas, like, with Kyrie, it wasn't really surprising because it's just, like, Kyrie just tries to find an opinion that only 15% of living humans have, and then he (laughs) backs it. And so, like, yeah, sometimes that means you, like, work yourself into a shoot and don't get vaccinated against COVID. (laughs) But, like, sometimes you're right, and you stand with the water protectors, you know? Right. Yeah, well, like, yeah, Kyrie's more in sort of, like, the crystals sort of genre Mm -hmm. of brain power. He has incense mindset. Which you know, which you know, there may be plenty of other athletes who who are like that, but won't do, won't do the you know in sort of Instagram form to the extent that Kyrie. I will doesn't. say that if the Celtics go out for this reason, it would be hilarious and delicious. <laughs> that, would that would be, be so, so fucking. Funny. Fun. They're also so incredibly funny. good, and yes, like, I, it's annoying that they're that good. We've talked it's, about this in the past. Yeah, it's been horrible. frustrating. It's been very frustrating to see them succeed, to say the least. <laughs> uh, two more two more teams uh, in the East that I want to talk about. First, your Miami Heat. Do you believe in them, Rohan? So it's funny because in my group chats with my fellow SI colleagues, I believe in them strongly. Professionally, no. I would say I'm less excited about them. And like, not to get too in the weeds about it, but they just are like a very inconsistent, is the nicest way to put it, uh, team at scoring in the half court, which becomes so much more important in the playoffs. Um, they're their best offense is when their shooters get hot, but most of those shooters can't play defense and therefore are going to get ruthlessly hunted in the playoffs. I think it's still going to be difficult for them to construct lineups that can succeed on both ends of the floor in the fourth quarter of a playoff game, and that's what worries me about them. They don't know what they want to do offensively in the fourth quarter, and defensively, if they play their best offensive lineups, they're in trouble. Uh all right, let's go to the Sixers, because they have James Harden in tow now. Can they finally win that conference? Or or have they become the sort of Voltron of high-grade chokers? Like, they just swapped out <laughs> one choker for, like, a much more, like, a like one that happens to just be active right now. Are yeah. they just going to choke the fuck out of this playoffs? I don't think Embiid is going to choke. I love Embiid, and I think he's sick. And I, I think he's, you know, his playoff... You know, results have been mixed, but I, I think you can always kind of explain why it's not always been his fault. Yeah. To he me, this so much himself. Yes. Just over the course of even like regular season stretches right. and stuff. 
I think the Sixers are a year away because their depth is an issue. And it's like, you only need seven guys to win in the playoffs by the end of it. But I don't even think they have those seven guys. Like Thibel, no one's going to guard him. Embiid's going to have to play 40 minutes a night. And those eight minutes he's not on the floor, they're going to get killed whenever it's DeAndre Jordan or Paul Millsap out there. So so that's what worries me about them is the, the burden Embiid and Harden are going to have to carry is so big for guys who just started playing together. I, I kind of think they're a year away uh, and a couple trades in the offseason away before they're a, a real heavy favorite. Is it wrong of me to not want Embiid to an MVP just so I can hear Sixers fans complain about it for the next 80 years? I'm not going to lie. It's become – and listen, I, I kind of like staked my claim, like planted my flag on Jokic Island. I love Nikola Jokic. Um, just one of the best interview experiences of my entire life. Biased! Um, Yes, definitely biased, but I love Embiid, and I they're like last year I was so excited. I like when I like that a big man, I like that a center could win an MVP again. But yes, the Philly fans got so chesty that it's now the the jokes potential is too high for him to win. We need what him to it, lose. What is it like to talk to Nikola Jokic? It is so. Oh my God, he's like he's just so different than. Anybody else I've ever interviewed in my life, he's, like, completely unassuming and, like, detached is not the right word, but I I was talking to a Nuggets writer before I interviewed him because I was like, hey, you know, this might never had a one-on-one with Joker, you know, what what are the ways I can kind of open him up or whatever, and he's like, he's like, you'll know you've, like, gotten through to him when he calls you brother, and I was like, okay, and, like, he just is... That's true it's, of Bosch uh, as well. Yeah. Did he it's, call you brother? It's like he. It's like, oh God, I'm really at a loss for words. I, I remember I asked him something. He's like, he's like, brother, that doesn't mean anything to me. Like he just, oh, like, yeah, yeah, he made it. Like he just is so chill. Like I asked him the question. I was like, I was like, my exact words are like, you have to at least enjoy playing at an MVP level every night, right? And he's like, he's wow, like, tough question. Yeah. And he <laughs> That's said, a tough one. and he said, he's like, one of my favorite things. He's like, I love ice cream, but even if you eat ice cream 10 days in a row, you get bored. He didn't even say yes. Like, he just was like, <laughs> <laughs> he was bored of being a fucking god on a yeah, basketball. Yeah, like, he, he's just, and then he just like, he just like walks off by himself. He's just like chill, like just strolls out. Like, it, it's, it's hard to explain. It's like, like, there's no hoops you have to jump through. Like he just is. He's so like zen above it all. It's it's fascinating. This oh, is, that think, gives us a good chance. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go God, ahead. I was just gonna say it's cool that that like matches the experience of sort of watching him play. That yes. There's this kind of like it's he's very improvisational and he's very virtuosic and he does all kinds of cool shit. But he also seems like sort of like if you were to like Photoshop him just like looking at a text message while he's doing whatever he's doing on the <laughs> yes, basketball court, that's exactly. the vibe that he brings yes, to it. Yes, exactly. It's which just I respect. Like, he's like, really? I have to do this again? Okay. Like, sure, I guess just, I'll throw yeah. like a blind pass entirely across the court exactly into the pocket of a shooter like while I'm very obviously thinking about something else. Well, he, right. he, he, makes, it look e- he makes it look easy. Yes, I mean, that's, I mean that's, that's like a cliche that is 100% correct in this case, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a good chance for us to shift over to the Western Conference, and I wanted to ask you about uh, Jokic and the Nuggets, and also about uh, Luka uh, Doncic and uh, the Mavericks. Those are two teams that have been very, very impressive 
in the early rounds of the playoffs in recent years, but they haven't been able to get to the finals despite that. Can they break through this year, or are the Suns too good, Rohan? I think it's going to be a massive, massive upside if the Suns don't make the finals. Like, that would, as crazy as some of the playoff losses Chris Paul has had in his career, if he's not able to make the finals, I mean, this Suns team is kind of being overlooked, I think, as like a, a really kind of a great, not, I mean, all time, I haven't gone through the list, but they're a dominant regular season team in, in many, many different categories. I like the Mavericks' chances of going further than Denver. Denver, as most people know, are missing their kind of second and third best players, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. There's some chatter now that Jamal Murray might come back. Porter looked like he was coming back. He's had a setback. Again, putting Murray into the kind of the thick of a playoff series, that's a lot of pressure on him. God, I Uh, love him, though. He's so fun. Yeah, he's so fun. He's so fun. He's the kind of person I'd send highlights of him to my dad. I'm like, Dad. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Yeah. Um, but, and it's just, I think too much for Jokic to carry. We saw last year, he can win one playoff series as he did in the first round. That was kind of incredible, but winning another one's going to be tough. Dallas on the other hand. So Doncic kind of being this super high usage guy makes it a little dicey. Typically those guys don't have a ton of success in the playoffs, but the fact that he can control a game in the half court, their defense is really good and it's really hard to score on them because they have a bunch of weird lanky guys who are just kind of like get in the way of whatever you want to do um they're actually i think a kind of a little bit of a sleeper here just because i think they can really succeed on both ends of the floor in the i've been shocked at that i'm not just what a good job jason kidd has done at the fact that he is doing a good job <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just did not it's, think he was that he has coach. a job at all yeah <laughs> but he's been great like he figured something out that like literally rick carlisle couldn't figure out like, competence alone would have been kind of, like, impressive. Yeah, and, and but, unprecedented, given yeah, what came before. Yes. and But now he's, like, the fact that he's taken it to another level, and it's like, oh, here's a good defense for you, too. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, like, you can do that? I thought your yeah. thing was just, like, um, like wearing a suit and staring into the middle distance while guys yeah. argued with each other in the huddle. All right, then, Rohan, two other teams, John Morant and the Grizzlies, who are super fun to watch, and, of course, the Golden State Warriors... Uh, who like, it's very boom and bust. Rado explained it to us a couple weeks ago, but, uh, it's, it's hard to sort of figure out whether or not they will be able to flick the switch and become the Warriors again, or whether or not mm, they're gonna, they're gonna fall. Do you, do you see either of those teams standing a chance to beat the Suns? The Warriors have a great chance, a better chance than the Grizzlies. What worries me about the Warriors is... We know Steph, Clay, and Dre can play together, right? But they've just not been at full strength. And so now Steve Kerr is going to have to figure out in the middle of the playoffs, what's my best rotation? What's my best substitution pattern? What's my best closing lineup? Do I play Steph, Poole, and Clay together in the fourth quarter? Uh, who's the fifth guy, assuming Draymond's also on the court? Those are very difficult questions to answer in the midst of a playoff run. I think they have enough talent, and Steph's a good enough player that they can kind of overcome that, so they have a good chance. But that's going to be really tricky. Memphis, the jaw and knee thing is—it's getting to a point of concern. I, I to what like I don't know about long term, but I mean the fact that he's missed all this time, like you want to be getting a little bit kind of in shape, ready to go with the playoffs coming up. Uh, that's starting to worry me a little bit. And then there's also. Can- can you There's, explain that a bit more? Can you explain who that is? Sorry. Um, I, basically, I mean, 
Jaws had this knee injury. He's missed a bunch of time in Memphis. Has oh, been, oh, wait, yeah. wait, wait. Oh, you said John Me, not oh. Jaws Me. <laughs> <laughs> Who's yeah, John the, uh, I was like, John Me sounds like a valuable bench yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been working yeah. on a CBS sitcom. No, okay, <laughs> yeah, all right. So Josney is a concern. All right, there you Jasny, go. Josney, yes. I mean, the, listen, they've been successful without him, but again, a lot of people think, you know, Memphis kind of plays this real, I think, fast-paced game. Um, they cause a lot of turnovers, etc. People are, I think, concerned about how that style will carry over to the playoffs. Um, so I'm less bullish on their title chances. And, yeah, at this point, I'm getting a little – I have an eyebrow raised at the John Knee situation. Um, so assuming his knee gets healthy, at least if not this spring in future seasons, do you see Ja as a kind of player who – he's obviously – he's the most entertaining player in the league, I would think, arguably. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see him as the kind of player who can also rack up multiple titles uh, with his team? He's definitely, I think eventually they're going to have to maybe cash in on a second star. I mean, I love Jaron Jackson Jr. I, want, I picked him to win most improved. I don't think he's going to get there, but he's making a case kind of the second half of the season. Okay. Um, the history of guards like him, you know, winning multiple titles is not robust. Um, and he plays kind of a very physical, intense style of basketball at the rim. You know, he's not like Steph... I mean, his shot has improved, but he's obviously not like Steph where he's pulling up from three, et cetera. So I, I hope so. I, I would like it for him, and I think it would be great for the league if we got like a little mini Memphis dynasty. That crowd is awesome. Um, they really built that team super well, but I think he's going to need like another perimeter guy um, to really cement it. So I think they're kind of still a half step away, but I I don't think it's impossible. I definitely think it's in play. But I would likely, say – I would say arguably your favorite player of all time was that exact sort of guard and did yes. win multiple titles. Yes. So. He did, but, but it, it, that, he also had guys Shaq to help him and then LeBron it. James. Yeah. Yes, that is that is true. And uh, okay, what about the uh, the Jazz? They're a fucking train wreck. What what happened with that team? Dude, it was funny. I was watching the Jazz game last night. It went into overtime, and you could just hear the fear in their play, like local announcers' voices. <laughs> like every oh, time, a, every time a Memphis three went up, you could just. Like, you could tell they're like, oh, fuck, here we go again. <laughs> like, like uh, you know, like they'd be like, what a rebound by Rudy Gobert. Like, just trying to will it yeah. into existence. Like, he, he doesn't seem uh, very scared so at all, actually. Yeah, just from yeah. Grab that ball like it wasn't going to hurt him. Yeah. That, that looks like a completely normal stain on the back of his pants. Um, yeah. Like, um, yeah, I... Uh, you know I'm, you're down incredibly bad when you're coach has to come out and just like read the Gettysburg address about yes. how your team is actually yes. normal yes. 20 minutes man yes For there's 20? nothing weird happening here in fact they pass the ball to each other a completely normal yeah. amount oh it's my god so normal in fact that I am compelled to remark upon it myself <laughs> yeah uh, Quinn Wait. Snyder in the, in the press conference he was like sometimes they eat together like Dude, that's Quinn, how much Donovan Mitchell and Rudy night, like each other Quinn so Quinn Snyder always has a look of, shall we say, intensity about him. Yeah. Last night, he looked like a detective, at, like the end of like a 48-hour shift. Like yeah. It's like the murderer <laughs> has killed again, and they just got a note in the office. Um, like, that's yeah. what Whenever he looks like. Whenever your coach looks like he's in like the last round of auditions for a Bad Lieutenant sequel, like, <laughs> yeah. just pull the plug on that. Relax. Oh, Come back next God. year. Yeah, I am. I was not confident the Jazz at the beginning of the season. And I feel bad for Gobert because he's obviously a talented player. But 
The way I look at it is there's just a limit of where your team can go when one of your top two players, some would even some even argue their best player, like can't do a ton with the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter. Like as much as he can impact the game, the fact that he can't have like the ball in his hands when, when it counts the most and you're not really trusting him with it, that to me that just kind of puts a ceiling on your team. So yeah, I, I think they're headed for a major shakeup and it's gonna be kind of that the flame out if and when it happens is going to be kind of incredible to watch. Yeah, that does feel like the one where like maybe you let the Hawks run it back and see if because they had at one point right. been able to play together. At this point, like you have two extremely valuable stars, like decide which one you want to keep. It's like it's clearly not going to work. Let's for uh, let's, reason. let's take it home then, and before we get to the fun bag and Rohan, you give us uh, your title winner and tell me why it's the Timberwolves, and then also your MVP <laughs> for the season. So my MVP, I'm going to go down with the ship. I'm sticking with Jokic. Um, I just think the burden he's had to carry this season has been absolutely massive. Um, and it's not just the advanced stats. His counting stats are nuts. Um, yeah. He's he's just been incredible. And I think the fact that people are like, well, the Sixers have won more games. I mean, the fact that the Nuggets have won as many games as they have with the players they've had out is just incredible. And I, I talked to guys on the team who are like, hey, no disrespect to the guys in the locker room, including myself, but the way he's carried us is insane. <laughs> but like, have you seen us? Do you know yeah, how good like, we are? Like because Jeff <laughs> Green multiple times to me was like, no disrespect to the guys in the locker room, but the way he's carried us is insane. Like he said that yeah. multiple times. Um, so he's my MVP. Uh, like I'm he, literally Jeff Green. By yeah, the way. yeah. I don't yeah. know if he's like I'm on my fifth team in five years and I'm starting. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think this. I think we're gonna get a repeat. I'm gonna get think we're gonna get a rematch in the NBA Finals. Not a repeat, I should say. But I think this year the Suns win it. I, I think the Suns uh, got to another level this year. Um, the fact that they were playing so well without Chris Paul, I think, shows kind of the leaps other guys on that team have taken as well. So I think. I think we're going to get Suns-Bucks again, and I think this time Phoenix pulls it out. Roth? The Suns are insanely good. I have seen good Suns teams. I'm old enough that I've seen them at, like, every stage in my life, and they've never <laughs> done it. And so I'm, for whatever reason, conditioned by, like, Tom Chambers flaming out. I'm like, well, it's impossible <laughs> yeah. to win. The uniform's purple. It doesn't work. And yet, like, they're—first of all, the uniforms are now mostly orange. Uh, and second of all, like, they're very, very good. Um I like the Valley uniforms. I the Bucks seem extremely good. The Celtics have looked extremely good. The Suns, when I've seen them, have been better than, than any team I've seen. So I don't have a hard time imagining them winning it, except for how hard a time I have imagining them winning it. Hmm. Uh, I, will pick, I will pick Giannis and the Bucks uh, repeating again. because I, I think that's I, a I good saw, pick as well. When I, saw, when I saw them win the finals last year, he was so otherworldly. I just can't imagine him not... Pulling it off again. I, I expect Yo, it. That's how extraordinary yeah. I got, he is. So. I got really mugged off by the NBA last year and I'm still a little upset about it. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not twenty three years old anymore, okay? I have no designs about trying to be, you know, a quote unquote media star. I, you know, I just wanna I just wanna be employed. That's all I care about. But last year, during one of the finals press conferences, so listen, I'm gonna be honest, okay? I love my job. It's great. I I, I said it, okay? I'm sorry. Whoa, whoa, really you went there. Something you really went there. It's a lot of fun. Well, people I, can hear this. Yeah. Last year I got to go to the NBA finals and I was like, this is a dream come true. I've always wanted to do this. Um, I've always wanted to be, you know, in the press conference asking the questions. And I asked Giannis this question. 
about like going back and watching and he had this like great block in the series and I asked him if he went back and watched it and he gives this like incredible answer that's getting clipped and memed and like thousands of retweets but when the NBA shared the clip they cut out my question oh the disrespect like, do you think that they, like, do you think that they're afraid of your truth <laughs> exactly I think that they are I was like listen these Twitter followers you know I gotta feed my family I like yeah. Maybe this clout shit is a joke to you. Yeah, yeah exactly. But exactly. I you see, need it. If you ever see Adam, you dead serious for me. If you ever see Adam Silver, you have to walk up to him and you have to go, "This ain't over," and you just <laughs> walk away. And he and he has no fucking idea like what you're talking about. But he's, it's like, it well, happens I better. to him dozens of times a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like that's the job. Yeah. Hey, we gotta remember a guy, Rohan, and, and oh. in your honor, our guy of the week. It's Eddie Jones. You remember that guy, Eddie Rohan? Eddie Jones. We love Eddie Jones. I, I remember one time Eddie Jones got fouled shooting a three-pointer. It was like 118-115. The Heat were playing the Supersonics. It was the end of the game. He gets to the free throw line, and he like missed one of the free throws. And I was like, fucking Eddie Jones. But I love Eddie Jones. That's not my lasting memory of him. Unfortunately, it's one of the big ones, though. Yeah. He had a very good career. He was one of those guys. I think we were talking about this. Maybe we weren't talking about it on a podcast about how Jamal Crawford, even when he was playing, would just be like watching highlight videos of random guys late at night. And he was a big like so you just see like a tweet from Jamal Crawford at uh-huh. like one forty a.m. being like Nick Van Exel cold AF. Like just <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but he he liked Eddie yeah. Jones a lot. And I remember that during the like maybe even like the bubble times where like there was just no new content to consume at all, and that was like Jamal Crawford was just keeping himself alive by mainlining Eddie Jones highlights. Can I um, remember a guy in honor of Roth and myself? No! Yeah, of course. How about Marlins legend Armando Benitez? Oh, not a great Met. (laughs) (laughs) We had issues with him. I mean, are there there ever any great Mets, Roth? You know, hard to say. Benitez, (laughs) uh, to me, as like the one of the apex, like, perspiring freely closure <laughs> yeah. guys yes, is really yes. like oh, just dude in that south legend. florida humidity whoo that yep. man was gleaming sweating. the number yeah. of like mets marlins crossovers is actually kind of disgusting there's benitez delgado conine that was a tough one castillo yep. can i oh god i there's so many baseball guys i want to remember with you roth i i <laughs> something i want to ask you is how did you feel like those back-to-back years the Mets had like the big lead in the division in September and like blew it back to back years. Oh six and oh seven. Something or, like, like that. No, oh seven and oh eight because oh six they did win and right. then they lost to like an eighty two win Cardinal team in the playoffs. Right. And, and I think both years the Marlins played them in the last series of the season and, and kind they of were like effectively fighting. knocked them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like Miguel Olivo and Jose Reyes like yeah. throwing hands at each other, yeah. which is like if you think that basketball fights are bad, like Major League Baseball player fights oh. are. It's like watching two kittens bat a ball of yarn around. <laughs> Dan, Dan Ugla hitting the last home run in Shea Stadium. Yep. Shout I mean, just Dan Ugla. bad, yeah. bad times. And <laughs> yeah. what was tough was, like, so those Marlins teams were not really good Marlins teams. They were obviously better mm-hmm. than the Mets at crucial moments. It was a team that I never, ever had any confidence that the Mets were going to be able to beat. And that they were was frisky, like, yeah. Yeah, but there's, there's always been teams like that where you just kind of, like, it kind of doesn't matter if like yeah. the they're better or worse than <laughs> yeah, the Mets. Like yes. at some point, they're just gonna be like, yeah, there's they're gonna run into some butthead on the Phillies. Like they can't yeah. figure out J Hap. 
that was going to like cost them at some. That was the Marlins against Jamie Moyer. Like the Marlins extended Jamie Moyer's career like another six years because it was just a guaranteed win. The older he got, the more dominant he was against (laughs) the Marlins. Yeah, just throwing seventy nine mile an hour pitches up there that like Rob Liefeld looking Dan (laughs) Uglish swinging over Brewley. Oh man, it was rough. It was. We only have time for uh, for one fun bad question before we get to the credits. And Rohan, this comes from Alex. He says, do parents of actors get traumatized watching their kids in a scary movie? Feels to me that if I saw my son get stabbed in the throat by someone in a mask, it would mess me up, even though it's just them in a movie. Rohan, could you handle that? If baby Rohan was in Scream 8 and uh, took one right to the dome. I would much rather see my kid get, like, brutally murdered than have simulated sex on screen i think that's the only thing that parents don't want to see like i don't want to see any nudity like i don't want to see like sex faces and none of that like like i can i'd much rather see you get blown to bits like you know hostile i'd rather watch like a hostile like oh you've been trapped by a madman like but yep. please, no sex. I'm really I, I sorry got... about what happened to your skin when it got harvested and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But it, at least there was no oral sex implied. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> good Lord. Actually, I'm, I'm the only one of the three of us that has kids, or at least as far as you two know. <laughs> and, uh, and I can tell you that, because I, I thought about this question, I would have no problem watching my kids get murdered on screen. I'd yeah. be, I would, I would laugh. I'd be You'd like, welcome oh, it. man. You'd welcome it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's Tough hilarious. Like, I know, I, I know it's pretend. I know they're not getting yeah. fucking stabbed. This is, this is not quite the same. But as someone who watched the vehicular fellatio episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm with his parents. <laughs> Ooh, that's tough. Uh, no, that's, yeah. I watched Just, I watched Boogie Nights in the theater with my parents. Really? Oh no! And my mom was like, "That was so cute," and I was like, "That's the word you use <laughs> yeah. for Boogie Nights." It was a fu- it was a great fucking I movie. Felt but bad I was about the like, whole William H Macy thing. Obviously, was less cute. That didn't end well, <laughs> yeah, and that was yeah. a bad way to ring in the eighties. But in but, the end, know, I feel like they all came together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you're sitting next to your mom when like Heather Graham's like, "We're gonna fuck now, right?" And Bruce yeah. and Burt Reynolds is like, "Oh yeah," and I'm like, "I'm like, well." In any other situation, I'd be very excited for what I'm about to see, but I'm sitting next to my mom, and that's a bit of a problem. My version of that is my friend Peter going to see the movie Rising Sun, an extremely xenophobic yeah! movie that begins mm. with uh, choke sex. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. Uh, it's begin- on a rock asphyxiation. It's saw a very it horny his movie. Family, as I saw it with my family, this was just how people used to consume Michael Crichton, just to get the whole gang together, a couple of middle school age kids and their parents. At the screening that my friend Peter was at, there was a man, whenever there was nudity, there was someone in the audience that would just go, outstanding, oh, out loud. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Everything going wrong at I, once. You got your dad, like, you got the uh, outstanding guy somewhere in there. <laughs> like, oh, the worst no. part is that that audience member was Rex Ryan. That's a true story. <laughs> I was... I was 11 or 12 years old, and my dad did not want to see The Matrix Reloaded. But I, my brother and I were like, you have to take us because we can't get in. Yep. Like, you're, we're making you go see this movie. And he was like, okay, fine. And, like, five minutes in, there's, like, a super long, uncomfortable sex scene between yep. Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss. Also, in my uh, – one of my English classes in high school, we watched, like, the old Romeo and Juliet movie. And it was like oh the Zifarelli one, right? And yes, that was like, you could watch that in class, even though there was nudity in it. Something. So that was, that was, right. like there was grandfather. Like, there was a, there, you the, you got to see a booby in the in mm-hmm. the yes. And, 
And it was like the talk of, you know, because I had English fourth period and the third period kids were like, yeah, you're going to see it today. And, Ooh. you know, you see it. And like all of a sudden one kid in our class goes, that was it? <laughs> oh, the teacher was so mad. You mean Romeo's going to fix the cable now? This is bullshit. <laughs> Brandon Nix and Chantel Holder are producers. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. And thanks to us, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And subscribe to Defector.com, too, while you're at it. And, of course, please go read Rohan over at SI because he's, he's great, he's along the with best. the rest of his compatriots. And enjoy the NBA playoffs. I am, like, extremely now excited and prepared and like I actually know shit going into this playoffs like to you Rohan so thank you so much yeah man thank you very much this was a ton of fun I like next time we gotta just drop the sports charade all together it's one hour of sub talk Quiznos I like it yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm and congrats on working your way towards uh, completing every Defector podcast I really look forward to hearing you on normal gossip yeah <laughs> alright we'll see you guys next week bye bye